without a doubt, the best comparison to understand baptism that I've ever heard. <laughs> thank you for that, brother. And thank you for your dad losing his ring so that you'd have that great, <laughs> that great example. No, I'm just kidding, Brother Alvin. I know you didn't intend to lose that ring, but praise God. That was a wonderful, wonderful example that hits home. If you'll turn for just a few minutes to Matthew, the seventh chapter, we'll keep our comments brief this morning. I knew that we got started a little bit late and uh, we want to be mindful of the time. In Matthew, the seventh chapter, I want to talk to you about one of the most famous verses in the Bible, which is judge not that you be not judged. There's a lot of people in the world that don't know anything about the Bible, but they know this verse, <laughs> kind of like John 3.16. A lot of people know a, a lot of, of verses like John 3.16, Romans 8.28, Matthew 7 and 1 would be one of those verses. The Bible says, don't judge me, okay? But if we understand the context of what Jesus is teaching here on proper judgment, it is a, it is a salvation for us in this life. And for the sake of time, I'm, I'm going to hit the highlights on this. But if you notice, this is in the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, judge not that you be not judged. Now I want you to look over in verse 16 so you'll understand the proper context of this judgment. In 16, he says, you shall know them by their fruits. Okay? This is a verse in Matthew 7 and 1 that has to do with the proper judging of fruit. Okay? It's not talking about who's going to heaven and who's going to hell. It's talking about judging fruit. Is it good fruit? Is it bad fruit? And proper judgment will never be proper until it begins at the right starting point. And that's what Jesus addresses right here. So let's talk about what he means. Do not judge, he's saying, unless you judge the right way. That we want to judge the right way. And of all times that men have ever existed, this is a day and time that we need proper judgment. To understand what's coming across the social media or the TV or what you're facing in the workplace or, or what you're hearing from different media outlets, we need proper judgment to understand what is good and what is bad. Some of it seems very obvious, doesn't it? And yet there's so many people, especially young people, that are confused about what is proper. When they're bombarded daily with gender confusion and the homosexual agenda and just these national things that are so popular, these hot buttons that are so popular. And it comes down to our very homes and our very workplaces and our schools. And we, we need proper judgment. So maybe hopefully some of you older ones understand what proper judgment is. And if you do, you need to convey proper judgment to your children. See, these things must be talked about. Because they are so in your face all of the time. Now, this also has to do with our relationships with one another, not just hot topics or hot button topics that are out there in the world today. Jesus says, judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. I have looked for measuring sticks or tape measures around our house. They, they just... There's a tape measure gobbler around our house. Sort of like, it's probably the same thing that's eating the socks, you know? And I'll look, I mean, I'll spend 45 minutes to measure a 30-second little deal because I can't find a tape measure. And nine times out of ten, it's probably because I left it someplace I shouldn't have. 
But I'll look and look. And sometimes, occasionally, when I can't find a tape measure or a yardstick or one of those things you... So I even use some, one of those things you measure clothes to cut with. <laughs> sometimes I'll just go up to whatever ever it is and just measure it off on myself. <laughs> I can't find a tape measure, so I'll just do this right here, you know, and I'll walk over and make sure I don't lose it. I've even foolishly tried to do this, you know. And then when I get over here, I've moved it. <laughs> And so everything's wonker-jawed. If you don't use the right measure in measuring, it's going to be messed up. I spent weeks trying to get the right measurement to hang some pictures at my office because Sister Tracy was busy teaching school and busy doing this, and I finally had to FaceTime her. What does this look like? And of course, I got it wrong. <laughs> but I want it to look right. I can't stand to walk in a room. You see that, that picture is just a little bit off. Try to fix it, you know, make sure it looks right. Proper measurement. If we don't have proper measurement, when we go to measure something, we're going to be off, okay? Jesus said, with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. This is very similar to where he talks about forgiving one another, where he says that with what level of forgiveness you forgive someone, it shall be forgiven to you. Now understand, it's not talking about eternity. It's not talking about what he did on the cross. It's talking about how we interact with one another. So if I forgive you 5%, then I can only expect to feel 5% of the forgiveness that God gives me. You see that? You know, God will not be mocked. You can't say, well, I forgive, and you're only 5% given, forgiving someone. Don't expect to feel God's blessing or His presence, except for 5% worth, if that's all that you forgive. Sometimes we forgive, but we don't really forgive. Oh, we, what it is is we forgive, but we don't forget. And, and it's impossible to forget. See, that's why the blood of Christ is there to look to when we deal with forgiveness. And the same thing goes for judging one another, judging fruit. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? We have a little poster that came with one of the curriculum that we used for the kids when they were very small in teaching and I ordered this poster specifically and some of this stuff specifically because it looked like some really good practical stuff. And one is the Brother Offended poster. Some of you may have it <laughs> or may have seen it. And it's got these little cartoon brothers and sisters in little captions on this poster about this big. And we hung this poster on the inside of our pantry because it was frequently used. <laughs> And so this brother offended poster had scenarios that would come up, you know, and it had to do with Matthew 18, how to deal with an offense. It had to do with the tattletale. It, and it all had scripture based, and it was very sound, very sound. I mean, it, it's exactly like I would have drawn it up. <laughs> but there was one little particular caption there that had this little girl, you know, cartoon little girl standing there pointing at her brother or sister doing something wrong. And you could, nah, nah, you know, she's got her mouth going, she's tattling. And she's got this, they've, they've drawn this two by four sticking out of her eye, you know, and she's going, nah, 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 you know, and I, I just love that one. <laughs> you know, one of the reasons I love it is because I see that in me. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm very quick to say, uh, you brothers and sisters ought not to be doing that. And then I look at myself and I think, well, I just did the same thing. <laughs> and we're all that way. We, we all have a little Pharisee in us. Some of us may have a big Pharisee in us. A Pharisee is a legalist. You can't do that, but I'm over here doing something, either the same thing or something just as bad. 
That's a wrong measure, you see. you got to measure on what man is doing and, and what I'm doing versus what you're doing. Well, you might be doing better over here with what you're doing than what John Doe is over here doing. But that's not the measure, you see. The measure is Christ, and we all come short of the glory of God. We all live in sin in the sense that we are sinners before God. That's a good thing to realize. That takes a lot of pressure off. So I can say... Well, you shouldn't have done that. And then I realize I got this log or two by four sticking out of my eye. And I can get that out and say, oh, you know, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but, not, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? It's a funny image, isn't it? I mean, you can, a beam is like a log, even. You can picture some... It, would we even be able to get in the church... If this, was a, if this happened in reality. And those of us who are legalists, all of a sudden try to walk through the door and we got a beam sticking out of our eye. You know, we can't, boom, we bump into you, bump into the door frame, bump into the, sorry, what's wrong? I got a beam sticking out of my eye. The person who's a legalist does not even realize this. You see, they don't even realize they got a beam sticking out of their eye. But Jesus said, ye shall know them by their fruits. That's proper judgment. Well, how? How do we... How do we judge this? You know, I, I, aside from judge not, which is the title of the sermon, I toyed with the, the title of the sermon being the devil's in the details. Y'all heard that saying, the devil's in the details. Because if you look close enough and you get close enough to someone or some organization or situation, you are going to see the ugly side of that, even if it looks good from way off. You see? The devil's in the details. Now, Jesus says, why would you behold a little bitty speck, a little bitty gnat in the eye of your brother, something real tiny, and you don't even consider that you've got a beam or a two-by-four sticking out of your own eye? If if you literally had that sticking out of your eye and you tried to take something out of your brother's eye, you're going to knock him in the head. If you literally had a beam sticking out of your eye, you couldn't get close enough to him him or her to be able to do this. He says, you don't even consider that you have a beam sticking out of your own eye. And how will you say to your brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye. And behold, a beam is in thine own eye. You're going to injure him, you see. Oh, Jesus doesn't mince words, does he? Thou hypocrite. (laughs) You know, hypocrite just means actor or pretender. I think I've told you this before. You know, I was so disappointed to learn about the personal life of Harrison Ford after I had worshipped him so much as Indiana Jones, you know, during the 80s. It was such a disappointment. I quit reading about him. I just, I was, this guy's not who he portrayed on the screen. <laughs> That's what an actor does is they portray someone else. The last thing we want to be as children of God is a pretender or an actor. I look like this on the outside, but if you get close enough, you're going to see the warts and the pimples. Everybody's got them. Everybody's got them. And those that are so distant, you know, the the Pharisee, the legalist wants to keep you a mile away because you know what? They look good from a mile away. (laughs) They look good from a mile away. But when you get up close, you see the flaws and you see the warts and the pimples and the the flaws and the the problems. Everybody has them. (laughs) Everybody has them. So he says, thou hypocrite, don't be a pretender. Don't be an actor. First, 
Here's proper judgment. Cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. You've got to look at yourself first before you can ever carry out judgment on someone else's fruit. You have to, be, you have to spend most of your time in front of the mirror looking at yourself in order to ever have the possibility of being able to go and say, hey, look now, you just don't need to be doing this. I mean, you know, this is pretty obvious, but it would be like someone who is a practicing alcoholic. You know, go up to someone who's drinking and say, hey, you don't need to be doing that. You know, that person is a pretender, you see. That person is not qualified. But let that person repent and get the beam, the log out of their eye and repent of what they're doing. And then they could very well be in a place where they could help someone else. And it means something, you see. You can play this out in so many different ways. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eyes. Now verse 6, I've thought about this verse, and it kind of just hit me here recently. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. I've thought about that for a number of years, and I'm open to several interpretations of that that don't violate the context of the scripture but it occurred to me you know Jesus, Jesus is not changing the subject here it occurred to me that this is is pointing towards the fact that somebody may need to change up who their friends are you see can you get the idea of someone who's constantly judging constantly judging and running with the wrong crowd the drinking crowd the partying crowd the good time crowd and then they finally pull the beam out of their eye they say you know i'm a hypocrite i claim to be a child of god i claim to be a christian and i'm living this way well then they pull the beam out of their own eye you see before god in heaven the angels in heaven rejoice over that repentance and that is a pearl that's a glorious thing to god and if that person is still hanging out with the good time crowd and they cast that pearl before the swine of that good time crowd, they're just going to trample it underfoot. This is trading up crowds, you see. It, the, the people that, that a person hangs out with that are like the swine of this, and I'm not saying every person who's committing sin is, that would be improper judgment to say, well, that's their swine and dogs and not children of God. There's many children of God who act like that in this world. As a matter of fact, I've been one of those. That have run with the world and run with those things. And when, when the child of God repents, he needs to be with people. She needs to be with people who understand and appreciate what they're doing. So you know what that means, church? If you're that people waiting, watching like the father was watching the prodigal come back, you better be ready for proper judgment. You better be judging yourself. The brother of the prodigal didn't. He didn't want to have anything to do with his brother who had wasted the substance of his father, and said, Dad, I just wish you were dead so I could have what's coming to me. But the dad was ready, wasn't he? The dad had been watching day after day. And though the son was dead to him, though he was dead to him, and he let it be that way and didn't try to interfere with that, he was watching for that child to come back. And when the time came, the, the robe, the best robe was brought out, the ring was put on his finger, the shoes were put on his feet, and the fatted calf was killed. And the brothers over there, with improper judgment, just still looking at him and going, I can't stand him. Who do we want to be? <laughs> we don't want to cast our pearls before swine when we repent. We may have to change up crowds, you see. 
And Jesus says, ask and it shall be given you. You want proper judgment? You want to know how to judge? He says, ask. Seek it. You'll find it. Knock. It shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receive it. And he goes on and describes how the Heavenly Father will give this to you if you ask Him. But it starts with looking at yourself. You have to say, what am I doing that is legalistic? What am I doing that is pharisaical? What am I doing that is not giving grace and, and mercy, granting grace and mercy to those around me? God will give you proper judgment if you do that. See? Now the verse in verse 12 very popular verse, therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. This is the, 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 the golden rule verse. If you would like to receive mercy and grace from your friends and your brothers and your sisters, then you grant mercy and grace to them. You see? And then he goes on in verse 13 and 14, talking about the straight gate. The narrow way, which is another popular verse that people say, well, that's how you get to heaven or hell. It has nothing to do with heaven or hell. It has to do with proper judgment. He's not jumping ship suddenly to heaven or hell. I was thinking about this verse, and I don't, I don't know if she remembers or not. I'm, I'm sure she does, but this is one of the verses that Sister Julie and I discussed whenever she was coming to see the truth. You know, if you see this verse right here as an eternal consequence verse, the straight gate, the narrow way, is the way to get to heaven. It says, few there be that find it. Well, once you find it and once you get on it, you don't need this verse anymore, right? And you're done with it. But if this is judgment and this is self-judgment so that you can properly judge the fruit of others and make sure that you're doing it in the right way, then guess what? You're going to need that again and again and again and today and tomorrow and the next day, especially in this day and time when anything goes. You've got to have this verse every day when you turn the news on, when something new comes towards you, whenever a new friend comes into the picture, whenever you see this situation in your life, whatever it may be, you've got to have that verse every day. But if it's an eternal verse and you're on the straight and narrow, well, forget it. Put it away. Lock it up. Throw away the key. You don't need it anymore. I tell you that the context of this is proper judgment for the child of God. It's a straight gate. It's a narrow gate. They're not talking about this on Fox or CNN or MSNBC. They're not having seminars about this out in the world. You want to find proper judgment? You have to go to the Word of God. You have to beg the Spirit of God. You need to listen to the preaching of God so that you can know how to navigate this broad and wide path of destruction that so many are on. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. I trust that I'm talking to some people that have found and are finding an abundant life. You see? Because you've got a hope, proper judgment to know. He says, then notice in verse 15, he says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. You see that? Judge not the fruit if you don't know how to judge it. But when you understand how to judge properly, then you are well authorized to judge the fruit that you encounter. But guess what? You've got to judge yours first. And I've said this before, but we don't need to forget this. I'm so glad that you're not judging me by my 12-year-old fruit. You wouldn't have nothing to do with me today. You'd have written me off and said, forget it. My little smart aleck mouth and, and my, you know, the things that I got into when I was 12, 13, 14. I mean, you could go on. I'm so glad 
Many of you didn't know me then. There's a few sitting here that did, but uh, at least one. But you understand, I'm glad you're not judging me by my 12-year-old fruit or my 13-year-old fruit or my 14-year-old. You know, we have to judge. This, you don't just judge somebody and it's over with. They judged the prodigal son as dead to the father, but he came back. You see that? And he was no longer dead. Had to have a new, new set, new fresh judgment whenever the prodigal son came back, right? <laughs> when I was 12 years old, one of my best friends was killed. I've told you that story before about Jerry. Two little boys, three little boys in a room. One of them, the youngest one playing with a gun, shot Jerry in the stomach. I could just picture he was trying to get it away from him because he, he was a gun safety uh, aware type person, young man. And so one of the little boys found out later it was the youngest brother who was like in fourth or fifth grade. Shot him in the stomach, played around with the gun, killed him. I was 12 years old, and we were on a trip to Washington, D.C. when that happened. And so we, that was such a great trip. We had such a good time. We stayed overnight on the train. It was amazing. So when I come back from this trip, my friend is dead. Everybody else has been dealing with it for a few days. I haven't. I come to find out many, many, 20 years later, the younger brother is the one that had actually pulled the trigger. But the older brother who was in my class that took the fall for him. He said he did it when he didn't do it. None of us knew that. And I remember sitting in break room that day and I was, my lip was trembling and eyes, tears in my eyes and I just didn't know how to process all that. <laughs> and my little friend who was involved in it, we thought he did it and he comes walking in break room and I looked up at him and people sitting around and I said, you killed him in cold blood, huh? 12 years old, and as soon as I said that, I wish I could have reached out there and grabbed every word to stuff them back in my mouth. I'm glad you're not judging me on what I said there when I was 12 years old. I said, I, I said you killed him in cold blood. He didn't even kill him. He didn't even do it. A little fella ran out of the room bawling. The teacher scooped me up, and I'm thinking, I'm a dead man. <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm dead. I shouldn't have said that. That was such a lesson to me. Those teachers were so kind to me. They didn't, they didn't paddle me. They didn't put me in detention because they knew I was hurting. They were wise. They took me in the room and talked to me and took the other boy in another room and talked to him. You know, and eventually everything just kind of blew over. But to this day, if I could sit down with that fella, if he's still alive, I'm sure he is. <laughs> to this day, now we went on. He stayed a few more years and we, we became acquainted again and got through all that. But I would like to sit him down and just say, I am sorry for my 12-year-old mouth. I'm still sorry for that today. If you'd have judged me at that point, you'd have said, boy, there's no hope for that little fella. He's got a mouth on him. <laughs> He's probably still saying that. <laughs> no hope for that fella. He's got a mouth on him. <laughs> but you understand, that was a difficult time for me. Great time of loss. And I'm so thankful, I've told you this before, you know, my parents and the counselor and the teachers got me through that. But my parents especially by continuing to tell me, we're going to see him again. We're going to see him again. We're going to see my friend Jerry again. I still hang on to that precious hope today. That's what got me through that difficult time of, of what we had to endure way back then. Now, I'll give you that personal example. I'll be happy to use any of your personal examples if you'd like to give them to me. And stand right here while I relate it. I'm so glad you didn't judge me by what I said when I was 12 years old. If you did, and you won't have anything to do with me, 
then that's improper judgment. See, if those teachers had judged me by what I said, they wouldn't have helped me. If my parents had judged me by what I said, they wouldn't have helped me. Proper judgment means you're going to have to employ seeking God's will again and again and again. What applies on this particular day with what 12-year-old Tim said may not apply when Tim is 30 and he's preaching the gospel. And if, if somebody heard me say that and sat there and looked at me and said, you know, I just can't listen to him because of what he said when he was 12. <laughs> now that's a Pharisee. That's a legalist right there. And we've all got that in us. We've all got that legalist in us. It's just a question of whether or not we keep him down. We push him down and don't listen to him. If we'll follow what Jesus said here, judge not that you be not judged. Judge yourself first. Judge your fruit first. There's not going to be a whole lot of judgment being meted out on one another because we're going to be too busy judging ourselves. And we'll be serving one another instead of judging one another. Thank you for your good attention. And we pray that what's been said here today is honoring and glorifying to the Lord. We give an opportunity. If there's one or more here that would like to become a part of the church, we'll stand and sing some hymn.